You're about to get stuck into another edition of the GP Fans Stewards Room podcast, breaking down all of the action from a racing weekend in the world of Formula One. And if you like what you hear and what you see, you can rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on all good podcasting outlets, including Spotify, Anchor.fm, our host and iTunes as well. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can hit the subscribe button down below to stay up to date with all of our content there. And if you like the musings of you and Gail, Sam Hall or Ian Parks, Follow Twitter or Instagram at GPFansGlobal to stay up to date with all of the breaking news in the world of Formula One, or even just get on the website, gpfans.com. But now, let's get into the show. I love how on these things, 15 minutes can so easily turn into half an hour. Welcome back to another edition of the GP Fan Stewards Room podcast where we break down after every single race of the Formula One season all the action that we've seen on track. But we have a special pre-season version of the podcast for you today because there's plenty going on off the track this off-season and namely today with the news that Michael Massey will no longer be Formula One's race director for the 2022 season. Joining myself, Ollie Wilson, are of course the fine working minds of Mr. Sam Hall and Mr. Ian Parks, who both hopefully haven't been shaken up by aerodynamic regulation changes to themselves, but have certainly, I'm sure, been enjoying the off-season chatter about everything that's going on into 2022. Ian, how are you keeping, my friend, and uh, how are you enjoying life without racing on track? I'm, st- I'm feeling very streamlined at the moment. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, I've not put on too much weight over this close season so that's all good uh definitely looking forward to this new season um i don't think uh, i've looked forward to a season like this for quite some time to be honest with you mate and it's uh, obviously all change on track and now as we're going to discuss it's all change behind the scenes at the fia as well and uh it's it was coming let's put it that way sam did you feel that it was coming and uh, have you felt this has been happening Oh, building up to this, sorry, throughout this off-season as we've continued to hear the rumours about Hamilton potentially walking away and some people demanding that there was a change of race director. Yeah, um, I did think it was somewhat inevitable. I mean, I think I'd called his position untenable several times last year on the podcast, um, even before the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Um, so I did think it was coming. But then the first launches we've had, there's been this sort of wave of sort of backing from the drivers for Michael Massey so I wasn't really too sure what to expect and after the F1 commission meeting on Monday it was all a bit up in the air um so yeah it's it seemed inevitable until the last minute really all right and you are the the head honcho of the website gpfans.com to put it mildly so why don't you take us through exactly what's taken place this afternoon with the removal of Michael Massey as the race director for 2022 yeah, it was uh, the FIA decided to do something very different. And rather than just issue a run-of-the-mill statement that we get in our email inboxes, they opted instead to have a video clip of the new FIA president, Mohammed Ben Salehem, presenting this statement that was about three and a half minutes long. And uh, he, took it, um, he took people through it step by step. And you could kind of, it was like, and 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 obviously there were some very good points in it and then obviously the final step did come Michael Massey to be removed as race director albeit to take on another role 
within the FIA. Now, I think, in fairness, that's kind of a good step. Um, from, I mean, on a human level, you know, I've gotten to know Michael, uh, you know, reasonably well as any media person can do when they're um, speaking to a person in officialdom like Michael has been these past few years. Um, I've always found him a very amenable guy, very friendly, uh, very communicable as well, good talker, uh, makes his points quite clearly and succinct, succinctly, to put it that way. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that in some respects he is staying on in a position. I don't think he deserved to be removed from the FIA completely because he has done a good job for them over the years uh, in, various, in various guises. Um, it was clear, though, as Sam has pointed out, that this was inevitable. This, this was coming. You kind of sense that despite that uh, little wave of driver support at these launches, as Sam mentioned, that something was in the offing, that that changes were going to be afoot. And it was either going to be a case of he would stay on with support or he would be removed completely and a, a whole new regime would come in. And it was always leaning towards the latter when you started to hear little bits and pieces coming out. So, as I say, on one hand, I'm pleased he's staying because he didn't deserve to be completely removed from the FIA. But on the other, I think it's a good step from the FIA with what they have chosen to do and uh, effectively introducing what is a triumvirate of people for race control. Um, so I think, yeah, as I say, a good move overall. And I would have, to be honest, I the guys who have come in, I would have liked to see, maybe, even given my criticism of him last year, I would potentially have liked to have seen Michael being given this backing. So being given Herbie Blash, for example, to back him. As we said, all through last year, he needed someone there. I wonder if the damage was just too great and maybe Mercedes weren't willing to accept Michael being still in office. I, I don't know. Um, but it, it it's a shame because, as you say, Michael was coming out race after race, facing the media, which he didn't, didn't have to do. I can't remember a race director doing it before. And he was explaining these decisions and he was saying, well, this is why we did this, this is why we did that. Unfortunately, those ex explanations just seem to muddy the water for absolutely everything. Um, as well, you did that for this, but you didn't do it for this exactly the same incident. And this is why we were saying that it was untenable for him across the year. Um, and then obviously Abu Dhabi was just the icing on the cake as far as any of his detractors were concerned, really. Um, I mean, let's face it, nothing like that is ever going to happen in F1 again, whether the FIA made these changes or not, we are never going to see a situation like that where a championship's decided on the last lap in a one-lap shootout with just chaos, um, disorganised chaos. And I suppose that's the thing that we want to remove is the chaos from it. We'd love to see a one-lap shootout come again organically, but as many people felt that when it was almost designed to be that way in a, a spur of the moment decision in part because of what Michael Massey chose to do in that final race that's where the frustration came from particularly when all year we've been talking about consistency with the rules whether it's track limits whether it's what's aggressive driving or not there was plenty to get into throughout last year on the GP fan stewards room podcast 
regarding those matters. And that was like, as you say, the icing on the cake, if you will, of the dysfunctionality that took place around the decisions and the race director role. What do we make then of uh, Nils Vitic and Eduardo Freitas coming in to act alternatively as the race directors and the support by Herbie Blash? We are at least, Ian, setting up race directors in the future to have a great support network around them for those decision makings and obviously the changes that are coming in with radio communications being broadcast. Yeah, it's an unusual one when you think about it because this is exactly the kind of support network that Michael arguably needed during his tenure. It was always said that the job was too big for one person, given if you think of what he was doing, he was on his own in many respects. When Charlie Whiting was in charge, he never had that. He had Herbie as his right-hand man, as the deputy race director. He had Herbie as the buffer between himself and the teams. So, you know, uh, I remember um, there was a great story that teams would go try and get in touch with Charlie during Grand Prix and Herbie would say, no, he's busy right now. Uh, he's too busy doing other stuff. And that was, that was his role, Herbie. He, he was the block between the teams and, and Charlie. And that's exactly the kind of thing that Michael needed. But as we've seen today with the decision, one of the decisions has been, that has been made is the removal from the broadcasting feed now of these, um, these communications between the pit wall and the FIA, i.e. the race director roles. Um, because that was the thing that we saw last season. And don't get us wrong, it provided us with great entertainment, great talking points, um, so much around it that added to the show in many respects, but also it detracted from it because there was so much focus on these messages that were being relayed, in particular those messages that took place across those closing laps within Abu Dhabi. And it was those messages that played a part in, in Michael's downfall. Yes, the inquiry that, that the FIA undertook following the events in Abu Dhabi focused on those closing few laps and the messages and the exchanges between the teams and Michael. But of course, let's not forget that there were many other decisions prior to that that, um, that played a part in the decisions that have been made today. So what we are now going to see is Neil Switick, who is the former race director at DTM. We've also got Eduardo Freitas, uh, former uh, World Endurance Championship race director, and they will form effectively the race director partnership. They will split the duties between them across the course of the season. But we also now have the return, as we've just discussed, of Herbie Blash. Uh, as I say, Charlie's right-hand man for numerous years. And his experience, his understanding, his level-headedness, his um, uh, relationships with the teams that he formed over the years. And yes, while there might be new personnel at those teams, the respect that he will have from those teams anyway will go a long way towards feathering the nest of what can only be now, what we will hope for at least, a better race directorship and race control across Grand Prix weekends. The big thing, thing for me with Herbie Blash as well is he's not just got the respect of 
the teams and the drivers. It's the fans. The fans know him as Charlie Whiting Part 2. And the fans have got massive respect for Charlie and Herbie. So at a time when uh, people deny that the sport has a credibility issue and, a, a, and other issues around it. But it does at the moment. And Herbie is that sort of person who can bring that and just go, actually, let's bring everything back down to earth. Let's just get on with the racing. And as I think people will go, as long as he's there, we're, he's a safe pair of hands. Um, and I, I agree with what Ian said. I mean, we both said it already. Michael needed this support. And it's just a shame that he never got the opportunity to have this support. It's If you want to compare it to football, it's like Ale when Alex Ferguson left Man U. David Moyes came in that he had he just had nothing to work with. Obviously, we know what happened there, but I mean Michael Massey's coming as the next guy and after the Alex Ferguson figure and he's he had nothing to work with. Um so it's it's a shame to see him go, but as anyone who says it's the wrong decision is probably kidding themselves a little bit. And an important one as well, I suppose, for the FIA and Mr. Ben Salim in his first year as FIA president, Sam, to to start with almost a clean deck and not have this hanging over his head as well as they look to move, obviously, Formula One into the future and bigger and better things. Yeah, F1 really doesn't need a hangover. Um, it doesn't need one. Last year was so good. And I know Max has said it doesn't put a cloud over his championship title, which for him, it probably doesn't. For Red Bull, it probably doesn't. But for a lot of fans, it does put this little asterisk that will forever remain next to his championship title. It's sort of like James Hunt's title in 76. Sort of people go, yeah, but Nicky Lauda would have won that if this didn't happen. Or And you've and for Lewis fans, you've got 2016 where oh, if he didn't blow up in Malaysia, he would have been that champion as well. So it, it's an unfortunate asterisk on the championship last year, but... F1 hopefully can now shift this and hopefully this is the last time we talk about last year because I mean as good as the racing was it's just this cloud that it, the only thing we're discussing isn't how good was that fight it's how bad were those last moments yeah the number of times on the YouTube channel that I've had to say and if you recall the end of Abu Dhabi last year I mean like we need to continue saying it anymore and continue referencing it there is some new uh, vocabulary coming into the Formula 1 lexicon in in terms of the VRCR that we're going to have to get used to saying as well the virtual race control room a bit like Formula 1's own version of VAR in, in football and hopefully it works a lot better than VAR does in football as well well, that's going to be the main point, isn't it? I mean, it's actually um, uh, Ben Salem who referenced that in his address and in the statement that he gave um, regarding these changes today. He, he said that um, the virtual race control room was, would be, is, like, is akin to the video assistant referee in football. Um, and as you just mentioned, let's face it, VAR was lambasted from pillar to post all four corners of the globe when that was introduced um, for its its own lack of clarity in some respects, if you think about it. It's also its slow decision making, uh, the fact that the game was, was stopped for these long periods. And we still get it to some degree uh, in certain football matches we've seen even this season. Um, for those that follow the global game, that uh, matches have been stopped for a couple of minutes, two or three minutes at a time for a decision to be made. Now, the only thing you can say about this is that a race is never going to be stopped 
for a decision to be made. The race will obviously always continue while the decision will be made in the background. But hopefully what this VRCR will do, it will speed up the decision making process. Now, um, it's going to be intriguingly, and this is another good point as well, it's going to be in a control box beyond the boundaries of the circuit. So it's going to be something that, uh, let's say, a race is red flagged for a, a controversial incident. Um, and as we've seen uh, in the past, uh, the team principals or sporting director will go up to race control and, and put their point across as to the incident that's taken place and, and give their two penneth worth on what they think should happen with regards to any decision-making or penalty. Well, as I say, this is going to be beyond the confines of the circuit. It's going to be a backup outside of the circuit, which means that no one within the teams will have access to it. They can't get in there to voice their opinion or to go and check something on that system. And the people operating that VRCR will then relay their decisions from what they have seen back to race control. So hopefully, as I say, the decisions will be timely and the big thing is the decisions will be consistent because that was another key point with regard to Michael Massey's departure was the lack of consistency with his decisions. And that was something that was mentioned not just by every team principal, but by virtually every driver as well, that um, that, that played a, a big part in their frustration over the back end of last season was that inconsistency. So hopefully this VRCR will allay all of that, fingers crossed. It's what F1 needs, so hopefully it will work correctly. One of the big in inconsistencies that it won't touch is the track limits, obviously, which anyone who listened to us last year on the Stewart's Room podcast will know that that was my biggest bugbear just I, I really hope that this year the track limits are just the white lines because as I said they changing it it creates so many gray areas like in Saudi when Lewis arguably pushed Max off the track after they had had their coming together but it wasn't anything because at that corner apparently that wasn't the track limit um so no, there's I hope the gray areas are removed I hope this system does work and works quickly so that we don't get any stupid moments like we've had over last year um and to be honest i mean until we've seen these race direction directors and how they run a race they benefit of the doubt we've got got to back them and say yeah go for it let's let's see how you do this um, Sam, Sam, you're already setting yourself up for these early season rants about track limits. He's 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 just teeing it up there, ready to swing for the are fences. First, Bahrain <laughs> Bahrain is bad for track limits. I'll ask Max last year about track limits at Bahrain. What about just very quickly from both of you? Because this was only meant to be a 15 minute, but it's very easy to have more and more questions coming up. Very quickly on this, two race directors, a support man, and then the uh, virtual race review system away away from the track is there not a case that perhaps adding more heads into this system creates a bit more confusion and a lack of consistency compared to having one man that is authoritative and just knows what he wants to do with the race at all times which Michael Massey may not have been but Charlie Whiting certainly was I think what we're going to obviously um, Niels and Eduardo are going to we presume um, alternate uh, at the races so I don't think you'll see both of them there in the race control room 
uh, at any given time. That's the impression that's, that's come across anyway, that they're going to alternate the position. So there's not too much pressure at any given time. But, um, and I think it also adds, a, um, let's put it this way, a, a different head looking at something uh, at each Grand Prix. I, I understand that, that that level of consistency, having one person there, probably it would help in some respects, but also I kind of can see why the FA has gone this, this route, because if you think about it, they've had this structure in place for donkey's years now. And it started with Charlie and then it went to Michael and we could quite clearly see that, as we just discussed, it was too much for one person in the end. So it's kind of like, right, because we've got a record-breaking calendar, 23 races. And if you think that Michael last season, he wasn't only doing the race director role, he was doing his safety delegate stuff as well by visiting, flying off, you know, in between Grand Prix to like places like Qatar and Saudi Arabia with those tracks coming on. And he was stretched to near breaking point. And... So hopefully this layered system they've got in place with the, VC, um, the VRCR, with Herbie as that permanent buffer now helping the uh, communication process um, between the teams and whoever is serving in the race control seat at a particular Grand Prix weekend. Hopefully now we've got these layers in place and hopefully, as I say, it will yeah, there might be a little bit of lack of speed to start off with as everybody gets used to one another. But hopefully once that flow starts to materialise across those layers, then we are going to see consistency and uh, good decision making, which is what everybody in F1 wants. Um I've got to remember the question here, haven't I? Um, I'm just, I'm just wondering. I was if listening too intently to Ian there. I'm just um, wondering, no, Sam, if it's going to be considered. Oh, that's a more of an Eduardo type race than a Niels type race. Yeah, I mean, it's the you too can get many cooks, more with isn't one it? Um, yeah, no, it's. Well, you remember, it's the stewards that make the decisions as well. It's so it's the race director who obviously directs the race, but the penalties all are decided by the stewards and then by the VAR system or whoever's away from the track. Um, so you've got stewards that change every race. You've now got a race director that will alternate, we assume, every race. And we don't quite know how the video stewards are going to work, whether they're going to change every race. You would assume they would, because the whole reason they do that is to avoid bias, um, which is a good thing. All the drivers agree on this, um, or say they agree on this. So... It's not really too much of a change. It's just a change of people. And you've got someone critically helping the race director. So as long as the right decision's made, I'm all for it. I don't think it's going to cause any problems. It can only be a good thing, these changes, I think. We'll just clip that. Let's just clip that off. I don't think it's going to cause any problems. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ian, you were going to say. Yeah, I was going to say, before we sign off, I do have uh, one final point to make. And it's something that the FIA hasn't come out with today. Because if you remember uh, the statement that followed Abu Dhabi from the FIA just a few days afterwards, it basically said that they would promise transparency. So, well, we've got these decisions that have been made and they've paved the way forward for race control. What we've not heard from the FIA is... Why, where is that transparency? You were hopefully going to let us know 
what unfolded, why certain decisions were made in Abu Dhabi as to why that's why this inquiry took place in the first place. And we've not had that. And I'm thinking that the reason why we've not had that is that if they opened up and revealed why things happened, it would almost certainly lead to even more uh, fingers being pointed accusingly at Michael Massey. And almost certainly it would lead to those fans out there believing that Lewis is for them the rightful champion and not Max again calling for a change to the title that uh, or it should be null and void or whatever they want might want it to be so I think the FIA promised transparency they've not delivered it to a certain extent but I think there are reasons behind it but I do think that they should have come out with something to appease the fans to some degree um, to let us know what were the events that took place in Abu Dhabi? What happened during that missing four minutes between Michael's announcement that the safe, uh, sorry, that the cars behind the safety car couldn't unlap, to then all of a sudden, four minutes later, making that call that only a certain number of cars could unlap? We need that transparency for closure on this subject because that's always going to be. A subject of conjecture it's it's something that's always now constantly going to be in the background so unless they do come out with something eventually i don't think they will now i think they're going to think that this is the line drawn but sadly that's always going to be missing from this argument and just before anyone's comments i'll head the comments off where people say oh you're lewis fans or you're max fans i think we're all in agreement if this if ever there was a season that two drivers could walk away with that driver's championship trophy last year was the year that everyone would have gone actually that's fair um and i think that includes all of us here unless we're f1 about fans. to drop a bombshell no 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 we're <laughs> f1 fans at the end of the day and we just want to see the sport at its best in the best spotlight um doing its best for the millions of fans out there and there were and as we've discovered today nearly 110 million fans around the world that watched that Grand Prix on that particular day. A staggering figure. So A figure F1 might wish was slightly smaller now. <laughs> Michael Massey certainly will, that's for sure. Look, if you hear any banging and bumps going on around the Formula 1 paddock this coming season, just remember that it might well be Ian Parks banging on the stewards' room door asking for them to release the tapes from Abu Dhabi. That's all I'm going to say. Look, you can follow us, uh, the podcast, on anchor.com. FM, which is, of course, our host and all good podcasting outlets, including iTunes, uh, Spotify and Google Podcasts. And of course, you can follow GPFans.com, the website where you can see Sam and Ian's musings about all things Formula One, the latest news as well, at GPFansGlobal on Twitter and Instagram. And if you're watching, of course, on the YouTube channel, let us know your comments in the section down below and give us a subscribe while you're there and stay with us for the whole of the 2022 season with testing just around the corner. 